And good morning. It's so good to be with you uh, this morning. It's something I have been looking forward to for almost three months. I retired the 1st of March, and it wasn't a week or so after that that Brother Kevin called and asked if I would be gracious enough to stand in his place as he went to the Southern Baptist Convention. And I had given myself three months. I turned down several invitations during that time, but I wanted some time off after 45 years of preaching and pastoring and leading God's people. I needed that time off. Two weeks ago, I was blessed to preach at Westlake Baptist Church, where Brother Byron's mom, uh, Grayson's grandmother, uh, that's where Byron grew up, and his grandmother or his mother is still there. And uh, it was a, a wonderful time of, of reawakening, but uh, today is a blessed event, and I'm grateful for being with you today. Hebrews chapter 1 is the passage in the scriptures that we'll be looking at. The title of the message is The Final Answer, and I think after we read it, those opening verses of this great book, you'll understand what we're talking about. Hebrews chapter 1. Do you watch America's Got Talent? Some of you do. And sadly, over the last seven, eight years, that's the only thing that's on in the summertime that's worth watching, actually. Um, my wife and I watch it. It just started back up. We look forward to a couple of months in the summertime of following uh, those who bring their talent and lack thereof uh, with some of them uh, before uh, America. This past week, there was uh, a lady who brought tears to our eyes as she gave her life story before coming to that stage. She had suffered cancer. You could tell it in her hair and her body. She was emaciated, had fought cancer for a long time. In fact, the initial diagnosis that the, the doctors had given to her was your terminal. We will do the very best we can for you. It's going to be a rough time, but we will do our best to keep you easy. Somewhere in that fight, her husband of a number of years said, I don't love you anymore, and left her in the midst of it. I bring up her story because this morning a friend of mine posted on Facebook her testimony that's just appeared in, in a blog that she writes. Her name is Tina Naylor Risen. She said, you can call me Nightbird. You can spell Nightbird. She put an E on it, the end of it, one word put together, and that is her blog. And in her blog, she gave a testimony of how God spoke to her. Have you ever had anyone, have you ever had God speak to you? Well, 
I was 15 years old. Well, let's go back a little bit more than that. I was eight years old, sitting in the First Baptist Church of Jacksonville, Arkansas, about five pews back, and God spoke to me that day as a child, and that day I knew I had to become saved. Fifteen or sixteen, during that year of my sophomore, junior year in high school, God began to speak to me about something else. He wanted me to be his minister. And I didn't want to be. Couldn't talk. I, I was a lot like Moses. I gave all kinds of excuses during that time. But in the end, God said, you will do it. And I said, okay. And at the age of 16, I answered his call to ministry. Through the years, God has spoken to me about this and about that. He's made it very plain what he wanted to happen in my life. And so when I ask you the question, has God spoken to you? You see where I'm going, okay? Through the years, I've had people, I had a secretary one time that had the habit of saying, God told me. And generally, what she meant was, God told me that it was okay for me to do what I already wanted to do. Have you heard God speak that way? God speaks. Back to the testimony of Nightbird. She wrote of those months and months of chemotherapy and how it tore her body apart. She wrote of her husband leaving her in the midst of it and how low she was. She wrote of, of how her body just dwindled away until she began to think it wasn't worth the fight. She wrote of the day that the doctor told her that her cancer was gone. And then the battle really started because she said she, her mind suddenly, it was as if it just departed from her and deep depression hit upon her and, and even though it was a time of victory in her life, She curled up in a little ball and she spent her days in the tub wondering if life was worth it at all. Crying out to God, a God that she had time at times didn't even believe in, but crying out to Him. Crying out love, crying out faith, crying out fear, crying out disbelief, crying out anger. And she said one day God spoke to her. She was contemplating the grout on the tile around her tub. And in a crack, 
of that grout. She very visibly saw God say, I am sad too. Wow. So often what we need to hear God say is I am right here with you. The truth of this passage of scripture today is that very statement that God makes. Bear with me, I think you'll see it as we read it, as we discuss it. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. God, who has variously and in different ways spoke to us in times past, has now spoken in and through and by his Son. That's a powerful message for the world today. It's a message you need to hear. It's a message I need to hear. It's a message this world is desperately calling out for, even when they don't know that. I am with you. Listen, for I'm speaking. Here in this passage, the very first thing I want you to see if you're taking notes is that God is, is talking here about a progressive presentation that he is making to a world. It is as if he is dealing with children when you begin in those opening pages of the Bible. It's a story, you see, he's talking about what he's done as the creator, not just of the world, but the creator of a people a nation that he has called unto himself to serve him and to represent him in this world. It's a storybook, the Old Testament is. It's a book of God's being at work in this world and revealing himself in a progressive way. When you were a child, did you understand everything about life? Not until you got to be a teenager, then you thought you knew it all. But I am now almost to my seventh decade, and I still have times when I despair at ever learning what life is all about. God begins with a simple fact. I want to have fellowship with you. I want to walk with you in the cool of the evening as I did with Adam. I want to talk with you. I want to live life with you. Listen, he says. Now you understand because you know the story that sin broke that relationship. 
And the rest of the Old Testament is the, the lesson that God has for us of how he deals with sin. It will be punished. It deserves to be punished. Judgment will come. A holy and a righteous God demands that. But God also, in the Old Testament, if you read it clearly and listen to what is said, tells the story of how a disobedient child can come into a full relationship with the Holy God. He tells us that story. It's a progressive thing. As we grow older, we're able to understand more. The prophets, he said, who spoke in various ways and at various times... now speak of Christ. It is a partial revelation, but it is still a revelation from God. It's a planned revelation that is there. For God said in the very beginning what his plan would be, leading us to that point where we could understand that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Christ, the chosen one, would be there for us to do something we couldn't do for ourselves. So the Old Testament tells that story. The book of Hebrews begins and throughout this book talks about how Jesus is greater than, greater than all things, greater than the Old Covenant, greater than the angels, greater than everything because he is God, God himself. Telling us that we have this message, this truth, this truth that is straightforward. John's gospel began, within the beginning was the word, and the word was God, the word was with God, the word was God. All things were made by him, and there was nothing that was made that was not made without him, and so forth. In verse 14 of that chapter, it says, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And John also said those who believe in him would become his children. So the Old Testament is that progressive presentation of God himself and his desires for his creation and his human friends. But it's all there for the purpose of showing us Jesus. I've been grateful to be the friends of your pastors through the years, from the very beginning of Westmobile. Pastors who taught the truth, who spoke the truth. But you know there are pastors today in, in a, a broken desire perhaps, a, a twisted desire to, to reach a, a new generation that want to push the Old Testament off. They don't spend any time in the Old Testament because they want to speak the, the simple gospel. A 
And there is some truth in the fact that we have to teach the world about sin because they have so moved so far away from God that they have forgotten what it is to live a broken life. But again, Paul said in the book of Galatians that the Old Testament was given as a teacher for us to teach us in the commands that are there laid out what sin is so that we might be at that point where we can accept the fact that we're sinners and need a Savior. One of the more prominent Southern Baptist pastors a few years ago, he is known for his the church that he has built. He's known for his blogs. He's known for his writings. He's one of the pastors that I love to listen to. But he suddenly was in trouble with a number of people because he made the statement from his pulpit that the Old Testament is passé. It's old school. I don't spend a lot of time in the Old Testament, he says, because we're New Testament Christians. And you can imagine the darts that started flying on the internet. One pastor said this, I wish I had written it, but you know, I'm not that smart. He said, preachers that shortchange their people in this way should give them a refund. The Word of God is the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation. The Old Testament is there, this progressive presentation of God to His people that He has created and loves. Even if they're living lives in sin and in rebellion against Him, He still loves them and His desire is to draw them unto Himself. And He spoke in times past in various ways and in various places through a series of men and stories of women about what he wanted to do for you. So you have a progressive presentation that is made a, a, about a powerful, personal intent of God. Power. We're, we're all drawn to that. That's one of the banes of humanity. We want to be powerful and and, and we do everything that we can, sometimes even selling our souls to have power over people. Um, politics is one of those means that they do that. They'll do anything to get your vote. Power. Here in this passage, it expresses the truth that Jesus is the very power of God. And that that power was used to create the world's. Again, back to John 1, all things were created by Him. To Colossians, where it says that He keeps everything spinning in its revolutions. He made the universe and He's responsible for keeping it going. And in the beginning, it says, the Godhead, the Trinity, Jesus, the Son, and the Father, and the Holy Spirit said, let us make man in our own image. He was there in the creation and he's there in keeping it going and it's the power of God. The word became flesh and dwelt among men. 
God's word is powerful because it's alive. And you'll find that verse later on in, in the book of Hebrews. Like a two-edged sword, it's there to cut to the very heart of things. And when you allow the word of God to speak to you, it cuts to the quick very quickly. It reveals to you who you are. When you allow the word to speak, his holy written word, but the living word more importantly, letting him talk to you and walk with you and live with you and direct your life. For he is God's word. The ultimate revelation, if you will, of who God is and what he desires for his creation. Times past, they spoke of him, they pointed to him, but now it says God himself entered into this world. In 50 years of ministry, 45 of those years as I'm actively working in the church, it has always amazed me that how God brings a, a worship service together. I don't know why, because I've had plenty of experience with it, but Grayson, your worship time this morning, it's, it's just amazing how Grayson didn't know what I was going to preach. And yet it speaks exactly. The incarnate Son of God entered into this world and lived in our midst to reveal the Holy Father God, to reveal Himself. It says there in the passage that everything that it is to be God was revealed in Jesus Christ. That one who died to pay a price for your sin my sin that one who gave himself written in the opening chapters of the Bible that he would come and crush the head of the serpent destroying sin and its power over humanity and then revealed in the gospels a birth and a life and a death hanging upon a cross and a body buried in a borrowed tomb but on the third day on the third day he breathed again that was in the song God's spokesman God's Word printed, but more than that, spoken and lived out. The holy word of God, the message of truth of a holy God that demands righteousness from those who serve him, but also provides the way for that righteousness to be lived out because it is Jesus Christ who is the righteousness of God and that righteousness died for you and His Spirit dwells in you if you are His child. And it is that Spirit 
who gives us the power to live for him. To live for him. This is a very pointed word, a very poignant word. Powerfully personal as it speaks of the person that has the power to change your life, to change my life. In the 33 years that I spent at, at Hollinger's Island as their pastor, most springtime, most of the springs, we had a, a guest speaker. Now I would, am much like Pastor Kevin and, and Pastor Charles before him. I, I was very particular in who I allowed to speak from my pulpit because I saw it as a, a place to be guarded that the truth might be presented. But every spring we invited the Gideon organization to come and, and to tell us about their work. We supported them. It was one of our mission events. We took up an offering for them. They would come in, they would tell stories about the, their work, and it, you know the Gideons. They, they give a New Testament to, I think it is it fifth graders? And they do it still in, in most of the schools in our land. In some of the schools, they're, they're not allowed to, but most schools they still do. They give a... They used to give uh, to a college entering freshman. I don't know that they do that anymore, but they give to our service personnel when they're allowed to. They place Bibles in hospital rooms. They place Bibles in hotel rooms. And the stories are told of how those Bibles, the Word of God, is used to speak to the hearts of broken humanity present God's love. I remember one such story that was told and it was, it was powerful enough that I remember it. It was of a businessman many decades ago who was guilty of extorting thousands of dollars from his company and he had gotten away with it for years. Embezzling, I guess is the word. He was off on a convention and he was shaving. You can tell how old it was because he was using a straight razor. Some of you men may remember I have trouble enough with a safety razor. I don't know how they use those, but that slab of sharpness and he was shaving with it. He didn't want to mess up the towels that were in limited supply in his room so he was looking around trying to find something to wipe the soap off of his razor to wipe it on. And He saw a Bible laying there, a Gideon's Bible and he had no use for it reached over and ripped a page out of it just randomly, began to use it. After about the third or the fourth time that he wiped the soap off, suddenly as he reached to wipe it, a verse jumped off the page at him. 
is Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death and the gift of God, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And his heart was gripped. For he heard God speak. as distinctively and declaratively as he had heard anyone in his life. You're lost. But I can save you. And he fell down on his knees and he begged for God's forgiveness. And he left that convention and went back to his home and he confessed to his crimes and he paid for his crimes in jail. But he was saved by the grace of God because the word spoke to him. But Jesus saves. When we read God's word, and I hope you do on a regular basis, my time is, is immediately when I get up in the morning spend time in his word with him when you read God's word even if it's on a day when you don't have anything else to do and you don't have another book to read you pick up his bible and just open it up to a random place let God's word speak to you listen to the word as is preached as is taught in disciple groups let God's word speak to you and it probably is not going to speak in a, a, a clear, concise voice. But when you have a question about life, let the Word speak to you. That's the reason we're told to memorize Scripture, because when we need God the most, the Scripture speaks. It's God's Word. It's not the magic of the printed Word. It's the magic of the living Word, Jesus Christ who uses those words written about him to speak to our hearts and our needs, to cry out in a clear, concise way, here am I. I told Brother Byron earlier as we were talking about retirement that one of the things that has not ended in my life of ministry is the the fact that people have called me in the last month or so. They gave me a month or two to relax and then some of my folks started calling with needs. Friends, again, of the past outside of the church but calling me with questions. And I hate to bother you, but... And I've spent some hours counseling and... I know that that's going to be a part of life and ministry as the time goes on, but in, in both of the instances I'm talking about in these recent times, one of the things that came up as I was trying to help them was the 23rd Psalm. You know that Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And he goes on to talk about the peaceful pastures and the quiet still waters and how God cares for us as the shepherd. But the, the verse that jumped off the page in me because I had just gone through that, reading through the Psalms, the, the whole Nam Christian study Bible, 
doesn't use the valley of the shadow of death. It says, yea, though I walk through the valley of darkness. And those I was dealing with in two different situations, these were dark times. Dark times. They weren't facing death as Nightbird was. But they were facing darkness and fighting it. And we talked about that verse. We want the green pastures. We want the calm waters. We want the verses that follow when it says, I can sit down with enemies surrounding me and eat and banquet and, and Lord, your goodness and mercy are poured out upon me every day of my life. But what we need is the truth of that middle verse. And it says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death or darkness, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort There's no time in our life that we need God more than in times of darkness. The darkness of sin, the darkness of, of desertion, the darkness of illness, the darkness of, of just living in this world, the darkness of pandemics. The word that we need to hear from God is, I am sad too. I am with you. Now do not hear me as, as giving an endorsement to Nightbird. Because you see, that's the way you get ahead in those programs. You give a really sad story and get people on your side and they vote for you. She's gone through much and she probably is going to go through a lot more. But there was an issue, a problem that I had with, with her testimony. Ten, twelve paragraphs there. Powerful words. And, and that jumped off the page that God spoke to me. But she never once used the, the name of Christ. Never once said Jesus. It was always God. So I'm waiting I want to hear more because you see you can cry out to God but it's only Jesus that saves you can cry out to God and I have a neighbor who is a Muslim and he and I pray together but he prays to a different God than I do and I have let him know that I have friends that are of Christian churches but in watching their testimony, I am afraid they pray to a different God than I do. Because Jesus demands that we walk with him and that we talk with him and that we look like him the longer we live with him. And you're not listening to God if that's not happening in your life. 
We have problems and, and we all have sin. We all have things that carry us away from Him if we allow it to. But our goal in life is to walk with Him, to listen to Him, to let Him be the brightness of the God's glory, the image of God's person lived out in our lives. Then and only then will we understand the powerfully personal nature of this relationship God wants to have with humanity. When we listen to Him and follow Him. George Bernard Shaw was a playwright of a number of years ago. He was as good as any of the Broadway plays that are presented today, probably better than a lot of them. He wrote a play about Joan of Arc. Do you remember that in your history? A teenage girl who heard the voices of God, the angels of God speak to her, and because of the power of her personal testimony of God speaking to her, she gathered an army men and soldiers who followed her into battle against King Charles of France. She died a martyr's death, hadn't even reached her 20th birthday, but was captured and died, burned to death after a trial. Standing before King Charles, she spoke of who she was and, and why she was doing what she was doing. She was on trial for her life and she understood that and she kept saying, I hear God's voices and I have to follow. King Charles in the play said this, your voices, your voices, I'm sick of your voices. Why don't they come to me? I am the king. That young woman, about to die, looked at the king and said, perhaps you should listen, and then you will hear. Perhaps you should listen. Maybe not the audible voice of God, but you will hear God speak. The Apostle Paul said in the book of Romans, the gospel is present there for anyone, even that one who does not have the written word, and they had the Old Testament at that time. The gospel is present for anyone, even that one who's never heard of Jesus Christ. Because God, through his very nature, reveals our need of him. And when we cry out to him, he will present himself to us. He will speak to us in such a way that we will cry out to him in faith. Jesus is the answer. He is God's final answer. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, thank you for the truth of your word. 
stories and the teachings of the Old Testament are, are powerfully alive with the promise of a, a Savior that would come. The Gospels tell us, Lord, of your life and your death and your resurrection. The New Testament tells us that you're coming again. Thank you, Father, for the gospel that is presented so vividly in your Son. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being that one who will teach us all things about you and empower us to live for you. My heart prays today, Lord, for that one. Maybe a child maybe a senior adult that needs to cry out to you today for life itself. Speak to them in this time. Undeniably speak to them and draw them unto yourself. For that is the only way that we'll survive this life. Lord, speak to that soul that has walked away from you. Speak to that one who selfishly served their own desire. Convict us, Lord. For it is in that conviction that we find the, the need to cry out to you and to hear your call to come home. Help us, Lord, all to rededicate our lives to walking with you and being with you. Lord, I pray whatever decision that needs to be made today during this time of dedication and invitation that you, you will speak and we will hear. You are our God, the one and only Savior of the world, dear Jesus. And it's in your name we pray these things. Austin is going to come and stand here before you. And if there's a decision that you need to make, don't put it off until Brother Kevin comes back. Make that choice now. Austin can help you through that time and, and help you to understand more of what God is saying to you. Whether it's a call to become a Christian, whether it's a call to rededicate your life or to come and become a part of this fellowship, whatever it may be that God is speaking to you about, you know that he's speaking. You just need to listen and then you need to follow. So as the pianist plays, as we stand, you come.
Thank you, Brother James, for joining us and bringing that word to us this morning. Uh, everyone, thank you for being here, whether you're in person or online, uh, getting this time to fellowship together, worship together uh, in word and in song is an integral part in starting our week. Now let's close in prayer. Dear God, I thank you so much for this day, for this opportunity we have to be together, for this opportunity we have to fellowship and worship. Dear God, I thank you for your son, uh, for his perfection, for his finality. Um, dear God, I pray that if there's anyone in here who does not know him, does not know you, we do not leave here today without Jesus. Lord, I pray that as we leave here today, we are the light. Uh, we carry that light, your light, out of here to a world of darkness, a world that needs to see that. In your name I pray. Amen.